and serve. Because we believe that it is those three things that we do over and over again. And we repeat them throughout our walk with the Lord, but we do it together. So we gather to learn and we study God's Word in many different ways. But then as we learn God's Word, it helps us to grow. That's what God's Word does. The truth of who He is. It sinks deep into our hearts and it transforms us, right? By the renewing of our mind, it says in Romans. And so as we grow then, the uh, the outpouring of that is going to be that we then are moved to serve. So we learn, we grow, and we serve. And then we repeat that over and over, but we do it together as a church. So that is, um, that is an important part of who we are uh, as Trinity. And so this morning... We are still in our uh, study of Acts. We will be for a while. But if you want to turn in your Bibles, it'll be up on the screen as always, uh, to Acts chapter 16. So Acts chapter 16, we covered the first few verses um, just briefly uh, last week. But we're going to do it a little bit more detail, but we're going to go all the way up to verse 10. So the real, the main passage for this morning is just Acts 16, 6 through 10. A few short verses. But we are going to look back at the first five verses as well. So you can just open your Bibles to Acts chapter 16. And uh, before we read it, just want to give some, some background and some context about where we are so that when we start to read it, it all makes sense. Because that's important, right? When we study the Word of God, when we read it, we have to know uh, what the context is about what we're reading, right? So that we're not taking things out of context, right? So... This is Acts 16, 1 through 10, and in just a minute I'm going to read it. But uh, the background here is this, that we have seen that uh, Paul and Barnabas had a disagreement. Remember that? We talked all about Barnabas and his willingness to come alongside Mark and give him a, uh, an, uh, another opportunity and how gracious he was and encouraging. We talked all about encouragement. And so Paul got Silas and said, okay, Barnabas, you go your way. And Paul and Silas, they went on uh, for the second missionary journey. And they kind of went back to the churches that Paul and Barnabas had planted. But then they met Timothy. Remember that? So they had met Timothy. We didn't talk a lot about Timothy. We'll talk a little bit about him today. That's what we see at the very beginning of Acts 16, that going back to those uh, churches they planted, Paul meets up with Timothy. So he's sort of a new character in our developing story as we go through the book of Acts, which talks all about the church, the early church, which is on a mission, an unstoppable mission of the church. And so Paul and Silas, they meet up with Timothy and some others, and we learn a little bit about Timothy. And what I had mentioned also is the reason we kind of focused on Barnabas was because we don't really hear from Barnabas anymore in the whole book of Acts. It really focuses on Paul and God's work through him. And so that's kind of where we pick up today. That Paul and Silas, they went back to the churches in Galatia and that they had planted first, and they meet Timothy, right? And then they want to continue on, but something very strange and interesting happens in verses 6 through 10. It's just that short passage, which is really what we're going to focus on this morning. So you know, you know how some of us are real planners, any of you out there are just like, you really plan? It's all right, you can raise your hand. We won't judge you. Those of us who are not planners, some of you are just like, eh. You know, I'm talking about like when you really like, you write everything out, 
when you actually write out a shopping list, you actually read it like as you go through each aisle. Or let's say you're going on vacation, right? And you want to make use of every minute. And so you plan it out. Some of you are like that. Remember, my mom was like that when um, they loved to go to Disney. My mom and my dad, and they took us when we were younger. And then I remember that well, Claudia and I and our, were taking our kids to Disney years ago. And my mom said, I'll help you plan it out. So, man, you know, I knew it was going to be like, because Claudia and I tend to be, you know, we like to plan, but we tend to be more of like, we just kind of go with the flow. And some of, some of us are like that as well, right? And uh, the problem is, is when you get to people that are real planners, and then those who kind of aren't, and they kind of come together, it can often cause a lot of frustration. It's actually one of the things that we cover, uh, Claudia and I, when we do pre-marriage counseling. It's one of those issues that we do cover about, now, are you a planner or you are not? Because this could really be a source uh, of, of frustration in a relationship. And so my mom would always write out, like, this is what we're doing basically every minute of the day. And you wake up at this time and you have the meal at this place and, and all that stuff. Some of you are like, yeah, that's what I do. And I know it's awesome, right? It's awesome. But you know, it was kind of like, man, it was overwhelming to look at all that. Because some of us, we just don't pay attention to those details. And we're really not much of being a planner. And some of us, we kind of just like to go with the flow. And, you know, people say, what are you doing today? I don't know. We'll see. And sometimes those planners, they can get so frustrated. What do you mean you don't have a plan? But regardless of whether you're really a planner or you kind of just like to go with the flow and see how things develop, right? Regardless of which one you are or a combination of both, either way, as Christians, we are called to let God truly be our leader. Is that right? And so that's really what we're going to see this morning in, in Acts 16, 6 through 10, is that the Holy Spirit is the one that is driving this mission of the church that we've been talking about every week. It really is the underlying theme of Acts, is how the Holy Spirit is moving and expanding the early church, directing and empowering and encouraging the early apostles to go and to, to take the gospel to the four corners of the earth. Because that's what we see them doing. But we have to remember, and that's what today is, a reminder that it is the person of the Holy Spirit that is guiding and directing them. And so what does that mean to us? We have talked before about the person of the Holy Spirit, especially when we started Acts. What does that look like? Who is the Holy Spirit in the life of a Christian? And I remember that we talked all about the fact that, listen, we can't live the Christian life without letting the Holy Spirit lead us. We really can't. And we went through a book called uh, Forgotten God uh, through um, our, our weekly uh, community groups. And it was really kind of named after that, saying, like, you know what? Oftentimes the church forgets about the person of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit lives within us. If you are a follower of Christ, Scripture tells us very clearly that at that moment of salvation, that you are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And He lives within you. And He is called to be your advocate, your counselor, a comforter, but also one that convicts you. But ultimately, the Spirit is the one who guides and directs us every step of the way, every day of our walk, with the Lord. 
And so regardless of if we're planners or not, God is certainly the one who is supposed to lead us. You know, one of my favorite verses uh, in Scripture, before we even get to our passage today, I want to show it to you. Perhaps some of you know it. It's um, Proverbs 16.9. And Proverbs 16.9 simply says this, The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Some of you might have memorized it in different versions. But in his heart a man will plan his way or his course, but it's the Lord that sets the steps. If you remember nothing else from the message this morning, remember that, Proverbs 16.9. It really is a great summary of the short passage we're going to read in Acts that it is good and right that we have a plan. Because doesn't God also tell us that we're to be good stewards of the things that He's given us, which means we're supposed to take care of all the resources He's given us. The people in our lives, spouses, children, relatives, take care of them, bless them, watch out for them, love and encourage them, but also the material things that He's given us, our money, those things that He's allowed us to have, but also uh, our emotions. How about even our bodies, our physical health? That we are supposed to take care of these things and have a plan on how to do that. But in all of that planning, in all of those details that some of us like to write out so that we don't forget anything and we cover everything, ultimately it is the Lord who establishes the steps. See, I like to say that we are as Christians on a need-to-know basis. And so perhaps if you're wondering why God isn't leading you or you're not sensing that, perhaps you don't need to know right now. It's also been described as like if you were out camping in the woods, right, and you were trying to find your way back to the tent, and all you have is a flashlight, you can only see a few feet in front of you, only a little bit in front of you. That's kind of how God works with us. He sheds some light on our path just enough for us to see Because, of course, we are then called to have faith and trust in Him every step of the way. Now, the fact that we have like GPS now, that kind of, you know, ruins some of that, right? We can look at that and we can see what the whole trip looks like, you know. But the fact is that God says, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said it's even better that He would go back to the Father and ascend to heaven so that He could leave us the Holy Spirit to guide and direct us. And that's what he's doing with the church and with the disciples. So I know you've all been there and you're probably thinking of of stories and times in your life that perhaps you set out a plan to go somewhere or to do something or to, to set a goal and then it turns out completely different from what you thought. Doesn't that happen all the time? But we have to believe as followers of Christ that is God through the Holy Spirit orchestrating things in our lives that we can't even see it while it's happening. But what is required of us is that trust and obedience. I remember, um, I don't even know how much of this story that I shared, but it was a number of years ago, a a couple of years before God called us here that, that I had decided that God was calling me to make a change and kind of a change in direction in my vocational ministry. So I had been a youth pastor for many years uh, at, at one church. But you also know that I love to lead worship. And so I had been doing that for many years. And so 
Um, I, I just really felt the Lord was calling me that it was time to move on from youth ministry as the focus and really help out at the same church uh, with a focus on worship ministry. So I developed a plan for the church, and it was sort of a win-win for the church and for myself. And so um, at the time, Claudia was working, and so I was able to, to go part-time from full-time youth ministry to part-time worship ministry. And to be able to, to, to do some other schooling and some things that I wanted to do. And so it was a really good plan. It was a perfect plan. You all have those, right? Those perfect plans. And so, um, and so we got it underway. And it took almost a year for us at the church to find my replacement to, you know, to search for a new youth pastor and interview and bring him in. So it was a very slow process and we had a, a plan in place and everything was working out great. And it was just very clear that God was leading in that direction. And so it was after about just a year that we found somebody to replace me and so we could kind of then do that shift where he would then come in and take over the youth ministry and I could focus on worship and do that part-time and Claudia was working. But it was during just the last phase of that process toward the end of that year where Claudia found out that the job she was working at started to downsize. Has that ever happened to you? And so one by one, people were let go. And then finally, Claudia was also let go from her job. And in our plan, she was going to be the one bringing in most of the money. I see a lot of you shaking your head like, yeah, I've been there. That's going to happen. See, now that wasn't written on the note cards in our plan. And so what happened was, towards the end of that year, on the same Friday, we both received our last paychecks. Yeah, whoa. That's what we said. We said a lot of other things, but we also said, whoa. And so when it happens like that, especially, it kind of moves you to say, God, what are you doing? Ever say that to God? God, what are you doing? Perhaps God didn't read what you had written down in your plan, you know? Maybe God missed that. God, you see that like this wasn't in the, the original plan. And so here we were, and it was all working out great. Like there was no signs of, of anything like we should be stopping this or this is the wrong direction. So here we are now with no really uh, major cash flow or income coming in. But it was during that season, skipping a lot of the details, during that time that God then did two things. He did one thing for, for myself and Claudia uh, in a... In a in a big picture way, that he opened the door for Claudia to then have the freedom to join the ministry that she now works at, New York City Relief, going on more than five years. What a blessing that ministry and that job has been to her and to our family, to our church. See, we didn't foresee that. But what it also did was, it forced me to come back to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, this wasn't the plan, but... Like, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? And then it was almost like, you know how you hear that the mother eagle, when it's time for the babies to fly and to leave, they start to make the nest a little more uncomfortable. They start to take the feathers out, so then it's kind of just the twigs, and then they start to get uncomfortable and they have to fly. It's almost like God was doing that. He's preparing the way, saying, yeah, this is all good, but now I'm going to take you in a different direction. So it started getting me thinking about a different 
direction in ministry. And what did that do is that led me here to Trinity. And so, of course, going back to the beginning of that process, we would have never guessed that it would have worked out this way. And we had a plan, and it was a good plan, and we were going, we were going strong with that plan for a year until God said no. And He changed direction on us. And that's really what we're going to see happening in this passage today. I know that you can all relate to that in some way in your life. But it's really important that we remember, again, if nothing else, what does it say in Proverbs 16.9? In his heart, a man will plan his course when he is good. Make a plan. That's important. We're supposed to do that with your money and your time and all of that. But ultimately, it is the Lord who establishes the steps. And when we get in trouble is when we forget the second part of that proverb, right? When we get frustrated at God and say, God, you're not following my plan. But our call as Christians is to surrender and submit our plans and our will to His. Matthew 6.33 says this, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and what? And all these things will be added to you. We know that. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That's the priority. And all these things will be added to you. But what are all those things? Well, let's look back at what does it say in the previous verses. Leading up to that verse in verse 25, it says, this is Jesus saying, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Is anybody here anxious about your life? You don't have to raise your hand, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you get anxious about, are you going to have a job tomorrow? You know, is there going to be enough food on the table, enough money? Like, God, is it really, are you really going to bless me? Is it really going to work out? We get anxious about the things of life, and Jesus knew that. He says, he gives examples about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink, nor about your body, what you're going to put on, like the clothes that you're going to wear. You know, we might not experience that here, but there are millions of people around the world. A lot of them just live right next door or in the cities around the, around the corner who don't know if they're going to have clothes to wear this summer or this winter or food to eat, right? And he says, or what you will put on or any of that. He says, look at the birds of the air. You can keep going. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. So they don't even like store stuff up. But he says, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Beautiful, right? But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. And that He does, but then He says, 
but seek first the kingdom of God. And then all those things he just mentioned will be added to you. So that's what we're called to do, to first seek the kingdom of God. See, in the context of our passage today, which I will get to, I promise, that what we're going to see is it's the Holy Spirit that's leading and guiding the apostles. Paul and Silas and Timothy, and he's leading them. And all they're required to do, all the Heavenly Father says is just trust and obey. Just follow. Just follow the leading of the Spirit, and I will guide you every step of the way. So you don't have to worry about all the details, what you're going to eat or drink or where you're going to sleep or what it's going to look like or who you're going to meet or all of that. Just don't worry about the details. Just follow me. It's so simple, right? Isn't that easy to do? No. We care about the details, don't we? We get caught up in the details. We trip over the details. But we are called to be people of faith. Walking by faith and not by sight. So here it is, Acts 16, 1 through 10. It's basically <clears throat> 6 to 10, but I am going to reference the first part. So I'll, um, I'll read that as well. So this is Acts 16, 1 to 10. Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. Remember, this is the, the beginning of the second journey. They're going back to the cities that they planted churches in in Galatia. Okay? A disciple was there named Timothy. He was the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. So Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek, and therefore he wouldn't have been circumcised. So as they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Verse 6, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So here's what's happening. So Paul and Silas, they're going back to the churches that Paul and Barnabas had planted on the first trip. right? They're going back to these cities, to Derby and Lystra, and they come across Timothy. And they meet Timothy. And Paul meets Timothy. We're going to talk about that in, in a minute. So that's what happens. They meet Timothy. And they go on to encourage the churches. But then they decide that in their plans, they probably wrote out their agenda and their travel itinerary. And on that itinerary were the regions of Phrygia and Galatia. Okay, They were going through that and they also wanted to head up to Asia. But it says in verse 6, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Then it says they came up from Mysia. 
they attempted to go to a place called Bithynia, but it says the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Okay, so passing by Mysia then, they went to Troas. God didn't stop them from going to Troas. As they were heading there, Paul got this vision of a man in Macedonia and saying, come and help us. So, of course, after that vision, Paul said, I have an idea, let's go to Macedonia. And that's what they did. So here's the interesting thing that's happening just in these last few verses. I hope you picked up on it. The Spirit was leading. But what's happening here is so unique is that the Spirit is saying no. They made a plan, and in their heart they set a course, and they go out, and they're going forward on their trail... But the Holy Spirit says no. And prevents them, it says, prevents them, forbidding them to speak the Gospel in Asia. Then they're trying to head to another place, but the Spirit of Jesus didn't allow them. How about that? Now the first interesting thing we want to see is it does not tell us how or why. But I think that's important. I mean, scholars can could research it and debate it, come up with maybe ideas. But I think there's a reason that it doesn't say. All it says is that they were forbidden to preach the gospel in Asia at that time. And then the Holy Spirit also stopped them from going to the next town they were going to, the next area. It says the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. But they kept going. See? They kept going. But the Spirit of the Lord, it says, stop them from doing what they thought they should be doing. But see, they were listening to the Spirit because they kept on going. You know, that city in Lystra that they went back to, do you remember what happened to Paul in that city? That's where he was stoned. They went back there. They went back there. But then as they're going through these, the next phase of their planned journey, the Holy Spirit stops them. So there's three basic things I want to look at. It should help us to remember, I think, a little bit about this passage. But three things in particular that the Spirit is doing with the disciples in this passage that we can learn from for ourselves. All right? The first thing is, how does the Spirit lead us? Because we don't know why He stopped them. But one thing the Spirit does do is He provides us with people. The Spirit provides us with people. The Spirit leads us into other people's lives. Because you look at what happens in verse 1 and 2. It says, Paul came to Derbe and Lystra, back to these towns, and he met Timothy. Isn't that cool? I mean, he had kind of broken up with Barnabas. So there was a great partnership there. And it broke up, but what did God do through the Holy Spirit provided Paul with another worker in the ministry? But this time it was somebody younger. Let's not miss that. Barnabas was more established in the faith. You remember Barnabas came alongside Paul and represented him before the other disciples who didn't trust Paul yet. So Paul and Barnabas was like a mentor to Paul. But now Paul, he finds somebody that he can disciple Timothy was like a teenager, maybe a young adult, 20, 19 maybe. And Paul finds him, and he had good standing in the community. And Paul's like, man, I can invest in this guy. Right? We're going to be able to work together. 
So God provided another partner in the ministry. He does that for us as well. We might have people in our lives that come and go. Do you ever notice how that works? I mean, how many of you are still like great friends with your old gang from high school? You know? Or even from college? You might have one or two, but you notice throughout life, people kind of come and go and just sort of works that way in life. But you know what? God is always good in leading us into new, the, the lives of new people. People come into our lives and we get to invest in them and, and partner with them in ministry, even more importantly. See, that's how discipleship works. Somebody disciples you and teaches you about the faith and how to live the Christian life. And then what you're supposed to be doing is seeking seeking the Lord, seeking the kingdom first and saying, God, bring somebody into my life and I'll pour into them what's being poured into me. You see that? Whatever somebody is pouring into your life is not supposed to just remain there and grow stagnant. You're supposed to be a conduit, see? Then you're supposed to pour out into somebody else's life. That's how discipleship works. Are you with me? That's how it works. That's how the church grows. That's how the kingdom expands through discipleship. Somebody is teaching and helping us to grow, and then we do the same for others. So that's what happened. Paul and Barnabas went their separate ways, but then God brings Timothy into Paul's life. But then something else happens. Skip down to verse 10 at the very end. I don't want to lose this. Verse 10 says, you can go to put verse 10 back up. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we, now hold it now, it says, we sought to go on to Macedonia. Who's the we? Who's writing the book of Acts? You remember? Luke. Who also wrote the Gospel of Luke. Remember, Luke is the one who's given the whole account, the whole history of the early church. That's the book of Acts. So now for the first time, not the only time, for the first time, we see Luke incorporates himself into this journey, into the story. So now, not only is it Paul and Silas and now Timothy, but now Luke is joining the journey. See that? Now it's a real group of merry men. They're going along and preaching the gospel. So Luke is now joined joined um, the journey. And so it's great. So the Spirit provides us with people in our lives. You know, it's important to notice when you pray for something, isn't it almost always that God answers the prayer through somebody else? That God puts somebody in your life or they speak a word of encouragement or somehow an answer to a prayer comes through somebody else. God uses you to bless other people. Just as people bless you, God wants to use you to bless others. That's how it works. So the Lord certainly knows that we need fellowship. We need each other because we are called to live this life together, this Christian life. So Paul needed Barnabas, but now Timothy needs Paul. Luke needs them all, you see? The sovereign spirit will lead people into your life. But most importantly, we look for those that can be co-laborers for the mission of the church, for the mission of Christ. Amen to that? Good. Number two. There's only three of them. The Spirit also provides us with a perspective. Look at verse 3. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. Right? This is at the beginning of this second journey. Alright? So, 
it says Paul wanted Timothy to come to him. So he meets Timothy and he wanted Timothy to keep going. But Paul knew they were going to get to places where there were Jews. But see, Timothy was known in the area. They knew that his father was a Greek. See, his his mother and his other relatives on his mom's side, they were Jewish and they were now converts to, to Christ. But his father was a Greek and so therefore... People in the whole area, they kind of like knew each other's business. How many of you live in like neighborhoods like that or families like that where everybody knows your business, right? They all knew Timothy. And you know what? They knew his father was a Greek. So you know what that meant? He wasn't circumcised. So Paul says, we're going to do something about this. So all it tells us is, and I'm glad that it leaves out all the details, he took him and he circumcised him. Now my first thought was, If I was Timothy, I would have been like, can't we just tell them that I'm circumcised? But no, Paul wanted to do it the right way, so we'll leave that up to Paul. And so it says that Paul circumcised Timothy because he wanted to have a good testimony where they were going. Right? Because how we live our lives will be an influence on other people. People are watching us. You ever notice that? Especially like at work. Or at school, people that know that you're a Christian, they're watching you. They're watching you, for better or for worse. They're watching how you're living out your life. So the Holy Spirit kind of gives us perspective, and I say it this way. Because in Galatians 2, 3, you don't have to turn there. What happens in, the, in Galatians we read about is that Paul was with the disciple Titus. Okay? And there were people calling for Titus to be circumcised because he was also a Gentile. But at that time, Paul said no. Paul said no, Titus does not have to be circumcised. But then why here is he saying, Timothy, you need to be circumcised? They were both Gentiles. See, it was a different situation. It took different discernment to have a different perspective. Because with Timothy, it was all about having a good witness. It had nothing to do with theological or doctrinal debates. But with Titus... It had all to do with those Judaizers who were just like, you need to get circumcised in order to be truly justified and saved. And Paul said, no. So therefore he said, no, Titus, you don't have to get circumcised for that. You're justified apart from the law. But see, for Timothy, it was a different situation. So the Spirit, I think, is is, is, what we're learning here is the Spirit gives us perspective because don't we need to have discernment? That's a really important word for us as believers. That we should pray for wisdom and discernment. That every situation can be different. But even more reason that we rely on the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. Right? But discernment is certainly important. See, I think the way that we can apply that to our lives is recognizing that there are times when we need to stand in our convictions but there's other times we have to recognize that if it's certainly if it's not a, a foundational doctrine of the faith that we're not willing to, to move on, that there are times that we have to acquiesce in love. That there's got to be grace there. But in order for us to know that, we need to have that discernment. Because I think what happens in churches too often is that people become too dogmatic where there needs to be grace and love. Or... People become way too liberal and forgiving even to the point where that's probably when they needed to stand their ground. You see what I mean? So it takes discernment and wisdom 
And the Spirit provides that for us and gives us that perspective about no matter what point of the journey we're on, the Spirit is leading us if we are staying in tune with Him. And then finally, the, the third thing. The Spirit also provides us with parameters. So that really encompasses the last four verses, the main point of our, of our reading today in 6-10. through 10. That See, opportunities come and go. I mean, we pray for divine appointments, right? God, maybe give me the opportunity to share my faith today or just kind of plant a seed, whatever that looks like. Those are what we call divine appointments, right? We know what that phrase is, divine intervention or divine appointments were. But what the Spirit is doing here in verses 6-10 through 10 is we don't always recognize He does this, but He will sometimes change course on us. Sometimes he'll shut those doors that we thought were clearly open. But one thing we can also learn is that those divine appointments, those opportunities, they most often come, listen, to people who are already serving. Sometimes people get frustrated and say, well, God's not leading me to do anything in the church, or God's not giving me a, you know, a reason or a motivation or a prompting. But I would dare say that That almost always happens when you're already moving forward, when you're already serving. Maybe you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, where you should be serving. The best thing to do is just start serving somewhere, right? Get involved. Be on the move. Isn't it easier to redirect something that's already moving? I mean, you can get in your car and without turning the ignition, you can try to turn the wheel, right? You can turn those wheels side to side all day long, but you're not going to get anywhere. Isn't it easier to change direction when the car is actually moving forward? So the idea here, the principle is, you get involved and you get working for the Lord, whatever that looks like. You get on that mission and the Holy Spirit then will guide and direct. And it's much easier for you to recognize the parameters that the Spirit is setting up for you. Maybe to even change direction like He did with Claudia and I many years ago. But oftentimes, as we see here, those opportunities can be withheld from the Lord or even stopped. Is it amazing that it just simply says, without telling us how or why, that they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, and the Spirit of Jesus didn't allow them to go to Bithynia? We don't know how. We don't know why. But sometimes, God wants us to, by faith, Keep knocking on doors that seem to be closed. Is that right? Just because the door seems to close, you just say, oh, I, guess, I guess that's it. And you walk away. Sometimes the Spirit leads us to keep knocking because we're confident of the calling. But other times, we're, we're called to notice the doors are closed. That it's a way of Him saying no. But how do we do that? Well, look at this. Right? That's the question. Like, How do we do that? I'm not going to tell you. No. I mean, he, isn't it interesting? It doesn't say why the Holy Spirit said no. It doesn't even say how. Did they hear a voice from the Holy Spirit? Did the Holy Spirit just kind of put a thought into Paul's mind? Maybe because he gave him that vision to tell him where they should go to Macedonia. Did he kind of put roadblocks up? Were there people that were antagonizing them? We don't know. But I think the principle there is that the Holy Spirit can do anything. And use anyone or any circumstance to lead, guide, and direct, or even change our direction. 
What's interesting is that in, in 1 Thessalonians 2.18, here's what Paul says. Paul says, Satan hindered him from going to see a certain group of people. All right? He says it very plainly in, um, in 1 Thessalonians 2.18. Paul says, basically, I wanted to go see you, but Satan hindered me. He doesn't say how. He says, Satan hindered me. But here, in our passage, it says the Holy Spirit forbid them from speaking in Asia. So the question is, how do we know? How do we know if it's the Holy Spirit changing direction or closing a door? Or is it Satan trying to get a foothold? What do we do as followers of Christ to have that wisdom and discernment? We have to stay in tune with the Holy Spirit. We do it by praying. We do it by opening God's Word. We do it by spending time with one another and see how God is working in each other's lives. And hear wisdom from others because oftentimes God will answer prayers through other people. So in order for us to ascertain or discern what that looks like, we need to stay in tune with the Spirit. It's like in music. If you're a musician, you understand what it means to tune. Like before the worship team plays, we rehearse. The first thing we do before we rehearse is we have to tune our instruments. Because, you know, an instrument can be out of tune. Then it doesn't sound so good, right? Your voice can be out of tune. It doesn't sound so good. We can recognize that. So what does it mean to be in tune? It means that there is, let's say, a melody, or there is a prescribed parameter in that music, and we want to stay on track with it. We want to be in tune with it. You see? The same thing with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is on the move. He's working in us. He's working, look, behind the scenes, orchestrating everything. But we need to be willing to submit our will to His so then we can be in tune. That's how we do it. It's about surrender and submission. And that's our daily call as Christians. To surrender ourselves to Him. To surrender our will to His. To take all of the plans and all the details and say, God, i got a plan for today, but here it's Yours. Do with it as You will. Give me the discernment, the insight, the wisdom, the courage to be able to follow Your plan. Does that make sense? So it's okay to have that plan, but surrender it to God on a daily basis. Because in His heart a man will plan his course, but the Lord is the one who establishes his steps. See, Paul and Silas and Timothy, they had a plan. They were going to go to this town and that town, and there was a couple of them where the Holy Spirit said no. However he did it, he said no. The Holy Spirit is the same one who's working in our lives today. So in order for us to have that discernment to know, is it the Spirit saying yes or no? Is it Satan trying to, to divert us from God's plan? You pray about it. You read God's Word and stay in the truth. But you know what else? What else we need to do is surrender. See, that's one of those words It's hard for us. We might think, oh, I get it, I understand. But who wants to give up control of their very lives? See, that's not in our DNA. It's not part of our, it's not part of our sinful nature, right? We all want to be in control of our lives. But God simply says, I'll take care of the details if you seek first the kingdom. Don't worry about what you're going to wear, where you're going to go, what you're going to eat. Don't worry about the details. Just seek first the kingdom. Go ahead and set the plan, but I'll set the steps. That's what he's telling us. 
So our part is to trust and obey. It is to surrender. See that? To surrender your will to His. To let Him do the leading. And finally, I want to pick up on something that he says, that's, that it says in verse, um, in verse 10. When Paul has the vision of the man of Macedonia, what does that man say to Paul in his vision? He says, come over to Macedonia and do what? Help us. Help us do what? Somebody said it. Preach the Word of God. To share the Gospel. That's what they were doing on their journey. So the person from Macedonia, the man in Paul's vision, says, come and help us. The greatest thing that we can do in following the lead of the Holy Spirit, the best thing that we can do for others around us, is to proclaim to them the Gospel of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit will always lead us to opportunities to share our faith. It's the most helpful thing that we can do for anyone around us is to share with them the hope that is within us. But we'll miss those opportunities if we're not first seeking the kingdom of God. If we are not first submitting and surrendering to the leading of the Holy Spirit and recognizing the divine providence of God in our everyday lives. Do you remember the story of Joseph way back from Genesis? What happened to him? He had some nice brothers. Remember what they did to him? What brothers tend to do? You kind of beat up and torture your brothers, right? They really went out of their way to do it. Sold him into slavery. But if it wasn't for that, Joseph wouldn't have ended up in Egypt. And being able to, to then lead the people of Egypt and Israel and others through a famine by helping them store food and letting them know what was going to happen. And he became a leader. And it helped actually save his family from starvation. And at the end, when they all got together, what does Joseph say? What was meant for evil, God used for good. It meant for good, right? Joseph didn't know that was happening when he was sold into slavery. But what did he do? He trusted and he obeyed. He surrendered his will to the Lord's will. And in the end, you can see how the Holy Spirit was orchestrating everything to work out just the way that God wanted even through Joseph's trials and tribulations. He does that with us as well. So as we move forward day-to-day living for Him, let's make sure that we are following the call of God and the Holy Spirit in our lives because that's what the apostles were doing. Every step of the way, even when He said no, they continued on to wherever He was leading. And recognize He leads us to people. We need people in our lives and He gives us those perspectives But he also sets parameters. He says yes, he says no. But through it all, we surrender ourselves to him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the powerful word that you have for us this morning. Your word in our Bibles. Thank you, God, for this ongoing story of the early church that we can learn so much from these men and women who are following you and and didn't have years of experience in how to do it. They were just following your spirit's leading because they had faith. They believed. They trusted you. God, would you help us to do that? Such a simple thing to say and understand, but Father, so hard for us to do consistently that we would trust you every day 
with every step. God, bless us as we make our plans, that we set goals with all You've blessed us with. But God, ultimately, please help us to remember that we are then to lay it down at the foot of the cross, to surrender it to You, to submit our will to Yours, and say, God, do with us as You will. And ultimately, You will get all the glory for that. In Jesus' name, amen.